Welcome to another edition of the Reporters Roundtable. My name is Patricia Robayo, and I'm a producer with WJFF Radio Catskill. Today, I'm joined with journalist Liam Mayo, other reporter, Chris Raleigh with the Schwankunk Journal, Joseph Abraham from the Sullivan County Democrat, and Philip Pontuso from the Times Union. Don't forget that the Reporters Roundtable is also a podcast. Search for WJFF, the Reporters Roundtable, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today's Wednesday. We're recording this Reporters Roundtable on a Wednesday, the day after the primaries for the new New York 19 Congressional District and also a special election for the current New York 19 Congressional District. We also today we'll be looking at District 17, also District 21 and District 23 and other primaries that happen across the not only the county, but also New York State. Uh, Philip, let's start with you. Uh, it was a late night for some of us, and I believe, can, can we call this sort of a, an upset, I guess? Um, I guess it was expected that for the District 19 special election that Marcus Malinaro, the Republican, would win. But of course, the numbers are in. It looks like Ulster County County Executive Pat Ryan will be the new congressman for the current New York 19th. Philip, were you surprised as I was? Yeah, I guess you could say I was mildly surprised, although I think my own prognostication about this race shifted a little bit after the um, after the ballot initiative in Kansas about whether or not to um, outlaw abortion in the Constitution uh, last month passed, so or actually failed. Um, that to me suggested that abortion might have been an issue that brought voters to the polls more than it has been previously, and certainly more than I think a lot of political watchers expected. And obviously, that was what Pat Ryan ran on, kind of most of all. His kind of go to campaign tagline has been choice is on the ballot um, in all of his speeches and in all of his literature and somewhat famously in his commercials, he's talked about how this vote is, a, or this uh, this race is a referendum on abortion access. And even beyond that, things like voting rights and just even more broadly democratic principles. So I still, all of that said, I still would have put it at about a toss up, I think going into last night. And it was a pretty close race um, with all of the, election districts reporting late last night. They have Ryan winning by just under 3,000 votes, about 51% to 49%. That's unofficial um, results right now, and there are still a few outstanding absentee ballots, which generally tilt Democrat. Anyway, I think the main kind of takeaway here, at least in terms of why the outcome might have been slightly different, is that the turnout in Ulster County and the margin in Ulster County where Pat Ryan is, of course, the county executive, um, was much higher in his favor than in Dutchess County, where Mark Molinaro is the county executive. Pat Ryan won in Ulster County 62% to 38%, but Molinaro won Dutchess only 52% to 48%. So he needed to run up a much 
higher margin there in order to to stay competitive, I think. And he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, there's a lot of takeaways from last night's primary and special elections. Joe, let's turn to you. Joseph Abraham from the Sullivan County Democrat. I know you were up late last night updating your audience on what was going on in the elections. What can you tell us? What are some of your takeaways from what you witnessed last night? Yeah, I mean, I guess with the Molinaro Ryan thing, I was a little surprised. Um, I haven't been watching a lot of um, mainstream news, I guess you could say lately, but I do know that that the um, some of the news channels that are a little more conservative leaning were giving Mark Molinaro a lot of coverage leading up to the election. Um, and so I, you know, a lot of people, I think, were under the impression that he would be a strong favorite um, in this race. But but as Philip had pointed to, um, you know, the abortion um, situation in our country, and that issue seems to have played a, a very big effect is, uh, as you reported earlier, you know, in Sullivan County, it's interesting. Uh, you know, our population is not as large as Ulster or Dutchess, so it's not really going to tip the scale too much one way or the other. But um, it didn't exactly follow uh, the the trend that the rest of, of the, the area did. For example, you know, Molinaro won uh, Sullivan County quite handily, as you said, by 15%. Another race that's happening is uh, state Senate. There was a Republican uh, primary uh, for, so Peter Oberacher, who is the 51st, uh, who'll be the state senator running in the 51st, new 51st district for the state, um, faced a pretty stiff challenge from Terry Bernardo, who is a former uh, Ulster County legislature uh, chairperson uh, and currently lives in Rock Hill, New York, in Sullivan County. And uh, for example, she only lost the primary at Oberacher by 6% thereabouts, uh, but in Sullivan County, and she was endorsed by Sullivan County Sheriff Mike Schiff a few days before the election, um, she got 74.91% of the vote in Sullivan County compared to Oberacher's 24.91, which was interesting to me. I know he's, she's now a local Sullivan County resident, but you know that's a pretty big uh, gap to defeat an incumbent by. Um, and something that Oberacher might need to watch is he's, uh, you know, going to be uh, going against Eric Ball, uh, who is uh, a Village of Walton trustee, a Democrat, uh, who's going to be running against him in November. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, Jamie Cheney and Josh Riley are were the two Democratic primary candidates uh, running for New York 19. Um, that will now face Molinaro because Pat Ryan, even though he won and will fill uh, the rest of Delgado's term, he'll be running in the new 18th congressional district um, for um, in November. So, you know, Cheney, uh, Jamie Cheney, who uh, works up, is a farmer upstate, small business owner uh, near the uh, Duchess Columbia County line, uh, was going against Josh Riley, who is an attorney who was raised in the Binghamton area, but now lives in Ithaca. Uh, Riley um, defeated her pretty handedly, I think 61.52% to 35.29. It was only about a 10% difference in Sullivan County, but that's, um, of course, big margin, um, you know, district-wide, and she had conceded to him. So it'll be interesting to see um, with Molinaro particularly and how this wasn't exactly the result that he wanted. or necessarily what was expected by a lot. How is it going to fare come you know November when he's going up against 
a Josh Riley who's getting his name out there, but I don't think has necessarily the recognition that Pat does. And and I'm no political expert by any means. I'm no John King or anything like that. But I think that, you know, what Pat Ryan, since there's so much talk about Molinaro and what he had to offer and the support that might be interesting is in the Democratic Party, like the Republican Party, it seems like both parties have been stretching or, or, or kind of like been pulled apart in more extreme versions of each ideology and then a more moderate, um, you know, amongst their particular political parties, at least in my opinion. And I think Pat, while he had the abortion issue with, you know, making that a big focus, you know, his military background and, and that, and I think his experience as an executive, uh, I think was probably, like I said, just my opinion, was able to help him, you know, maybe pull some people who are on the fence or That's what I noticed when I was uh, keeping up to date with the numbers from the election as they were coming in. I was also keeping track on social media, sort of see what was the, the buzz in Sullivan County. And it seemed a lot of it, uh, those were posting that, you know, abortion was on the ballot that night. And maybe that's like you said, like, like you said, it has caused folks, uh, mainly Democrats, to come out. Come out in full force and to, uh, to vote for their candidate. Liam, a male from the River Report, let's talk to you. What are your thoughts? What are your takeaways? And do you think that this issue of abortion was the motivator uh, for folks to go out and vote? Yeah, I, I had the same sense that pretty much everyone here has had that um, abortion was an issue for people voting in this special election. Anecdotally, I visited a few of the polls in Sullivan County on election day, and they all, um, or several of them had higher than expected turnout. I haven't like gone back and compared statistically that, but that just as an anecdotal point, turnout seems fairly healthy with a lot of people coming specifically for the special election. For how this might influence more national politics, uh, there's a stats website, 538, that does a lot of election coverage. And one of the points that they brought up in their post-election roundup is they were watching both the 19th district and the 23rd district in New York, uh, which both had special elections last night. And both districts had strong democratic overperformances. Uh, that democratic overperformance got Ryan the win in the 19th. Um, Republican candidates, Joseph uh, Semplinski still won in the 23rd but by a much slimmer margin than is usual for the district. So it could speak to a more national trend about people's turnout and about the ability for abortion and the current state of the country to be a galvanizing issue bringing people to the polls. And just quickly to touch on the Oberacker-Bernardo race that uh, Joe mentioned, uh, Bernardo definitely outperformed a little bit in Sullivan County and I believe in Delaware County as well. Um, although Oberacker did take the election as a whole. Uh, Bernardo had been working for Martucci's campaign back before the redistricting when Martucci was still Sullivan County's incumbent senator. And when the redistricting shifted, bringing Sullivan County into Oberacker's 51st district, Bernardo decided to run uh, because she saw the 51st as an open district. Even though Oberacker was technically Sullivan County's incumbent, 
she sort of saw it as well. Martucci's not running anymore, so the Sullivan County seat is an open seat. And I think her performance in the polls does sort of show that she was correct in that assumption. Uh, the areas outside of Oberacker's district generally, she, she did fairly well in those areas, but it wasn't enough to um, overcome Oberacker's incumbent advantage in the areas of the district that had already been his prior, prior to redistricting. Let's turn our eyes to the New York 18th Congressional District. Chris Riley from the Schwankook Journal. Pat Ryan was the Ulster County County Executive. He ran for the current New York 19th with the lines redrawn again. They uh, He will be running now for the New York 18th Congressional District. What can you tell us about the outlook for Ulster County and what happens to his seat? Who will be taking his spot as the Ulster County Executive? Um, well, uh, we could we could, should note that um, uh, this morning, March Gallagher, the current Ulster County Controller, uh, announced that she is running for uh, Pat Ryan's seat as the Executive. This has been expected she's been in li lining up for that for a couple of years, I'd say. And um, it'll be welcome because uh, she's very sharp, very bright. Um, not sure, I'm not sure at this point what opposition there will be. Uh, there will be opposition, but I don't know at this point who it will be. Uh, Ulster Republicans are a little bit uh, in chaos. Um, uh, as for the 18th, um, Ryan, I think, has a good shot there. Uh, he lives in Gardner, uh, which is sort of like bang in the middle of Ulster County. Uh, and he has, of course, tremendous name recognition. And I think in this election for the special election for the 19th, he rolled up a big vote in Ulster, which carried him uh, all the way. Um, as, you, as you noted, he lost Sullivan handily. Uh, I'm sure that Molinaro beat him in the uh, more rural areas. But in Ulster, you know, he's got Kingston, um, which is a solid, you know, democratic bastion. And uh, I think the, the abortion issue probably brought a number of people to vote that haven't voted for a long time and don't usually vote. And I think that's what's going to happen. My gut tells me that's what's going to happen in um, November nationwide. Uh, the people who uh, don't usually vote, don't usually take much notice, are suddenly going to be activated because this issue affects them or their daughters or their granddaughters, and it will change a number of places, I think. But that's another story. Meanwhile, um, yeah, I think uh, Brian will do well with the 18th. We'll have to see how that all, all rolls out. I did read that, um, and Philip will know more about this, but uh, Molinaro was planning to move um, to, to, to be in the 19th, in the new 19th. Isn't that, is that, that is correct, right, Philip? Molinaro plans to move. He's going to leave Duchess and set up somewhere over in, um, De I don't know, Delaware or somewhere like that. I haven't seen if he's going to move into the new 19th district yet. It is correct that he no longer lives in that district. Um, since the since the boundaries drew, but he he will be he he was unopposed in the Republican primary in that district um, on Tuesday, so he will be running uh, against 
against uh, Josh Riley in November. Yeah. Um, and he held his campaign event um, last night, um, his watch party for the special election anyway, in Hudson. So he, he, he held it in what will be the new 19th district. Yeah, there, there might have been. I, I don't remember. There's been so much happening. I'm struggling to keep up with everything happening just on the very, very local level. Uh, Jim Metzger has been mentioned in that context. Uh, but of course, right now, as a um, as one of the six members of the Cannabis Control Board, uh, with September the 1st looming as the date when they release a mountain of rules. You think about all the rules they're going to be um, hey, Chris, um, just uh, out of curiosity, cannabis, I had heard also cannabis, that Jen Metzger, who was former New York cannabis, uh, 42 state cannabis, senator, was also um, looking at I mean, running for transportation, security. It's, um, the it's Ulster enormous. County executive and, um, seat. And I, I think there was another Democrat I mean, that was mentioned possibly <laughs> a few months ago as well, maybe. She is, yeah, yeah. So... To be clear, to be clear, Jen Metzger has announced that she's going to run. Um, yeah, she 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 did that in May, and I think the other oh, yeah, person that's who right. has said that yes, they're going yes. to run is yeah. Mark Ryder, who's um, one of the deputy county executives for Ulster County. Yeah, um, yeah. So it'll come down to Jen Metzger versus March Gallagher, I think. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a three-way or, or whether it really will be. We'll see. But um, that's going to be an interesting race. We'll see how that goes. Um, um, for the Ellenville well, Worsing area, either Jen or um, March would be probably pretty good. Um, probably a little bit better for us than Pat Ryan has been. There are a lot of moving parts of this election season, like I said, with the special election, the primaries, and, and you know people moving uh, to positions. Philip from the Times Union, I think the Times Union did a great job as keeping their readers up to date live as the elections were happening. I see one of the last polls was like uh, past midnight, so you got sort of somewhere there. Times Union is is tired today. Can you give us sort of an overview of some of the key races that the Times Union has been covering? Yeah, I think that there are two that are of note that we haven't talked about yet or talked about at length. One of them is the was a Democratic primary in the 18th district, which uh, is most of Ulster County now, and then Orange County. Pat Ryan was also on the ballot there. Uh, two challengers who were running to his left. Um, one of them is a finance reformer, this guy named Mo Moses Galusi, who didn't really run a very um, robust campaign and only picked up about 3% of the vote. And then the other challenger was Aisha Mills, who was a recent transplant to Newburgh. Um, she used to work for the Center for American Progress, um, is an attorney and a frequent CNN political contributor. And then the last week or two, she had really kind of put the full court press on, doing a ton of events, a ton of meet and greets, trying to get her name out there in the district. And I don't think anybody really thought she was going to win 
against Pat Ryan in the primary, but I think the margin is surprising. So Ryan ended up winning with, um, you know, unofficially more than 84% of the vote, which is a pretty, pretty enormous margin. And that combined with the fact that um, of his perhaps mild upset in the special election, I think makes him um, perhaps a stronger candidate in the midterm election for this district, um, where he'll be running against a two-time New York State Assemblyman named Colin Schmidt, who uh, lives in Orange County, is an Army veteran, and um, a pretty fervent Trump supporter. So that one is is something to note, I think. Um, and certainly, you know, I think I think Ryan's success in the special election, um, you know, we'll have to it will we'll have to see how much of a kind of wind uh, beneath his wings that is for the for the general um, in the, in the midterms in November. And then the other one I wanted to mention, I think that I think was pretty interesting, both to the maybe the far reaches of the listening area here, but the but also just nationally was the District 17 primary between Sean Patrick Maloney and Alessandro Biaggi. Um, as your listeners might know, Sean Patrick Maloney is the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. He essentially decides how the Democratic Party spends on congressional races. Um, he, when redistricting happened, he got put into the same district as Mondaire Jones, who was the first um, Black gay congressman elected to office and a Rockland County native, rather than uh, run in the district that he had previously been in, he moved into um, Mondeo Jones's district, um, vacating the the 18th uh, and forced Mondeo Jones out of the race, essentially. So Mondeo Jones ended up running in NY10 in the city, very crowded race, and I think he finished in third or fourth place down there. Um, there was a lot of furor about that because um, people believe that Maloney's kind of duty as the DCCC chair is to ensure that Democrats, that the, the most number of Democrats can get elected to Congress. And he moved out of a more competitive race in the 18th, where he would have had a better chance of winning than probably Pat Ryan does to a safer district and displaced, you know, a popular um, and local official there. So um, he ended up getting a pretty strong, um, at least in in tenor and language, um, challenge from Alessandra Biaggi, state senator who currently represents Lower Westchester and the Bronx. She ran a very aggressive campaign against him that got um, kind of ugly in, in the in the final weeks or so. And some people thought, um, a lot of people were watching that campaign as a referendum on sort of mainstream deal-making democratic um, sort of campaigning versus Biagi's much more um, aggressive and progressive message. And Maloney ended up winning two thirds of the vote. Um, so he, he won it going away by a bigger margin than I think people were expecting. And he should cruise to um, to victory in the November midterm elections in that district. I, I would just add that anyone who did vote, thank you. Anyone who did not vote, uh, please consider doing so in future elections. A lot of these races can be decided by thousands of votes. 
or even fewer. And ev every vote really, really does count, especially in smaller races. So if you did, thank you. If not, please consider doing so going forward. I know it's hard to try and make time for it. We're all very busy, but th this is one of the important ones. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Uh, you know, every vote counts, especially like elections like we just had when, you know, it's not decided by electoral college like uh, the president is. This is actually your vote does count for these elections. This was a close race between Pat Ryan and Mark Marilano. And some of these races have been lately won by small margins. So like I said, uh, I agree with you, Liam, that every vote counts. Uh, especially now with early voting in place, their uh, excuses for not voting are less and less. You have can go, you know, during other voting time, or you can mail in your ballot. Uh, there's many multiple ways that you can vote. So, uh, for those who are, uh, we have the November election coming up. Uh, gear up if you haven't registered to vote. Go out there and register to vote, so you could be part of the November election. I said, once you turn 18 and you have that right, please use it and sign up to vote. So uh, let's look back uh, at some news that's happening in Ulster County. Chris Rowley, let's, let's uh, turn back to you. Uh, we uh, he was telling us a story earlier, I believe, in the, on the local edition, the potential of a village turning into a town. Yeah, Allenville has a financial problem uh, to do with um, its taxing ability uh, as a village. Um, there's the, the Allenville is actually experiencing a kind of a boom in real estate, and the um, uh, the the appraisals that that, ex, that exist, uh, the assessment uh, isn't quite keeping up or at all keeping up with the uh, the real estate prices recorded. So there's a degree of frustration there since the village is close to broke. I mean, it's uh, it has a, a you know, it's, it's been at the bottom of a, a long slough for a long period of time. But now uh, there's an enormous number of projects and things happening. Uh, and it, it, it's like the door is open to a new sort of, well, maybe there'll be a golden age for, for Allenville. Um, but uh, so the conversation that's been taking place is that the um, the village wants to talk with the town about a number of issues and the town of Horsing is loath to have that discussion for one reason or another um not very well articulated reasons i think but so it, what the village has most recently been contemplating is does it have to stay a village and this is a little get complicated so i'll, I'll try to get it over quickly the village has sought for a long time to be um, treated like a town by uh, by the county and made whole on tax uh, uh, tax um, people who don't pay their taxes. The, the towns are all made whole, which means that when they're doing their budgets, they know they're going to get their tax money from the county, whether or not the people pay it. So if they have tax delinquents in the town, those delinquents will have to deal with the county, which has a big legal team. 
They don't have to pay for that. The village, the three villages of Ulster County are not treated that way. They're Saugerties, New Paltz, and, and Ellenville. Saugerties and New Paltz don't have much of a problem this way. Ellenville had a problem that grew over the decades of, of its uh, decline uh, and had a sort of a heavy debt of unpaid village taxes. Now that has been decreasing. And just recently, just the other day, the Ulster County Legislature had a 23 to zero vote in favor of having Ellenville treated as a town. Uh, and that is to have itself made whole on its taxes uh, and uh, not be kept in the dark as it were on that. So with that in the background, the other conversation has been whether Ellenville would stay a village or become either a city or a town. And it was a point made that Allenville has everything that a city has. Uh, and, and New York State has some cities that are far smaller than Allenville. Uh, it also has some villages that are bigger than most cities. New York State is a real mix. So um, it's short, just cut it all short. Um, it's unlikely that Allenville will become a city. Uh, that, that would take a, a, an act by the legislature in Albany. Um, and it's just not very likely. However, uh, there's another possibility that the village could declare itself a town and sever itself from the town of Warsing. And if they did that, they would all they would have to do is probably bring back uh, the court or keep their court alive and not uh, let it go as they plan to do in November. Uh, they have everything else to be a town, uh, water and sewer and everything, um, police. Uh, so that's floating out there at this point, but the 23 to zip vote by the county legislature may make that all just unimportant. It may end this kind of conversation and Allenville will have a, a, a firmer uh, budget um, support system uh, going forward. Uh, because if you don't know at all what your uh, your uh, property taxes are going to be as you begin your budget because you don't know how many delinquents you'll have you don't know whether people will be paying up if they fear forfeiture if you don't know any of that it's a little difficult to sort of get it all into into focus uh, and the towns have got that luxury because they know that they will be uh, made whole by the county and now uh, it looks as if that will happen for ellenville too um, and of course the election coming um in November for the new county executive is likely, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm declaring the election too soon, but if it's either March Gallagher or Jen Metzger becomes the next county executive, we feel that Allenville will get um, a little bit more of a fair shake from uh, Ulster County. So that, that, that's all pretty good news for the, for the currently a village, possibly a town of Allenville. Yeah, that's that story. All interesting stuff. Uh, Joe, do you have something to add? Well, I just wanted to bring up since Chris was having this discussion about villages that um, a lot of villages are facing these same financial uh, situations. I mean, I know obviously in Monticello, people have been talking about for years in Sullivan County, the county seat, whether or not they should dissolve. And I know um, editor Matt Shortall here at the paper wrote about how they are recently dropped from their insurance and have to pay like $500,000 more a year for insurance costs and stuff. So, you know, they're already a cash strapped village. So I think that, uh, you know, that'll, uh, I think that's a very interesting point and something we might see with all kinds of villages I and mean, police forces too take up a large 
uh, amount of those budgets, um, which, you know, but I, but I appreciated his, uh, his breakdown of what could happen. It was almost like a modern day settlers of Catan. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And we should just going back to the police force thing. Um, one third of Ellenville's or more than one third of Ellenville's budget is, is on, on a police force. And that has always been a sticking point in terms of um, the village and the town of Awarsing combining uh, that the town of Awarsing hasn't wanted to um, have a police force. Uh, and, uh, you know, it has been until very recently almost impossible to set up a policing district, um, probably for legacy reasons that I'm not really aware of. But so. Um, you know, it, it's it's why there's been a log jam on these things for a long time. They've been stuck, and I have a feeling that some of these things are now shaking loose, and there will be some changes. Um, but when I was just doing some research on New York State villages and cities and things, you know, there there are tiny little cities, and then there's Hempstead, which is a village of fifty-seven thousand people with <laughs> with a budget that runs to sixty-four million. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> One thing to look at to, to, that may be of interest to everybody region-wide is on um, September the 1st, there will be a public hearing at the Town of Wawarsing Town Board meeting uh, concerning the application by Somerset Partners regarding the redevelopment of the Neverly uh, Resort property. Uh, this will be a public hearing and this is another step uh, on uh, the progress of that application towards full permit. Um, and uh, we should also note that, of course, the town board uh, took lead agency on that application uh, over the uh, planning board. So that's something that everybody might want to just keep an eye on. Uh, that's an important, just another important stepping stone towards having the Neverly uh, return as a, you know, a major employer uh, in our area. Uh, Liam, do you have anything else you're working on you want other folks to know about? Yeah, um, I would highlight last night's meeting of the Upper Delaware Council, uh, specifically its Project Review Committee. Uh, the council met to talk about the Camp FIMFO development, which is happening in Highland. It's a $43 million renovation to the former Kittatini campgrounds. It's going to become Camp FIMFO. Fun is more fun outdoors. Um, and it will have increased amenities. A lot of former tent campsites are going to become these, like, technically RVs, but also kind of mobile homes units uh, called park model RVs. And it, that project is currently working its rounds and getting all the necessary approvals it needs to go forward. And last night they came before the Upper Delaware Council uh, or the, the, the council heard uh, sort of its own analysis of the project from, from its internal team. And it was a very split meeting. Uh, the conclusion of the council's analysis, and I think the conclusion of a majority of the council was there are issues with the project. Uh, they pointed out the issues with traffic that the applicant is kind of potentially misrepresenting. Uh, there are issues with uh, the soil investigation for one of the septic units. Um, there are a few things missing from the maps and 
um, a, a few other minor things, but none of those are really within the UDC's um, purview. Uh, the Upper Delaware Council is an advisory body that looks at a very specific thing. It looks at whether it meets a project meets certain conditions under the river management plan, which helps guide the National Park Service in keeping the Upper Delaware River corridor scenic. So it's a very limited purview. And while they mentioned a lot of other concerns, the council technically isn't the authority on those. So it did recommend the project. And there were some dissenting voices on the council and a lot of dissenting voices from members of the public who showed up who uh, the members of the public were especially forceful in saying that the council should do something about these concerns, uh, either by giving stronger recommendations to the Highland Planning Board, which will have its meeting tomorrow night, um, which will have happened, I believe, by the time this airs. So either by giving recommendations to the Highland Planning Board or by using its own authority in some way. So it ended up approving the project to go before the full board so it moves it out of the project review committee to the full board uh, the full board will talk about it on september 1 and after that the national park service gets to do its own review of the project so and in the meantime we've got the highland planning board doing its own review and there's as of yet not really all the timeline on that. I mean, there may be by the time this airs, but that will know based on what happens at tomorrow's meeting. Joseph Abraham, are you working on anything that you want others to know about? Well, I just wanted to publicly acknowledge uh, our UDC award-winning uh, panelist here, Liam, who's getting an award from the UDC for his journalistic service. Um, I know. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, 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 Congratulations. Yeah, I, I know a lot of uh, We've probably talked about this at nauseum about redistricting um, on air here, also online. Um, just I'll mention about county legislature that I'm sure Liam and I will cover a lot more going forward in articles. Uh, we've been following the broadband situation in the county quite regularly. Liam has been, I will, uh, you know, say he actually has done a lot more on it than I have even, um, even though I've done a few update articles. Um, we'll probably be hearing from both of us, I'm sure, about uh, a recent uh, agreement with a fiber company, which is going to make getting broadband and expanding their broadband project, um, you know, down the road a lot more possible to coming to fruition. And now that the redistricting thing is kind of in, in the past now, um, at least from the legislature's body perspective, the BOE and Chris Knapp, Director of Real Property Tax Services, are going to be busy now for the next several months getting everything up to date as we're about to enter county budget season. So there'll be a lot of budgets being prepared, presented, and then of course, discussion as that gets closer. But that's all I'm sure will be um, written about in coming issues. So I won't take up any more time with that. So, Well, thank you, Joe, for that update. And thank you to everyone on this panel for joining me again for the Reporters Roundtable. I've been Patricio Robayo. I was joined today with Liam Mayo from The River Reporter, Chris Raleigh with The Shawanagog Journal, Joseph Abraham from the Sullivan County Democrat, and Philip Pontusa from the Times Union. Again, Liam, congratulations on that award. And thank you so much for joining us. And we've been talking about the special elections that happened this past uh, Tuesday. 
Uh, we promise you to have more coverage for you for the upcoming November election here on the Reporters Roundtable and, of course, on the local edition. You've been listening to the Reporters Roundtable for the month of August 2022. I've been your host, Patrice Robile. Stay safe, everyone, and take care. 